Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Shaheen Shayan, the founder of brain nutrition startup, Accelerate Intelligence. He is also an award-winning business mogul, author, filmmaker, and inventor of Herbal Ecstasy, the nootropic that sparked the 100% legal smart drug movement. Shaheen, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, honored to be on with you, Seth. All good stuff. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. Your career spanned more than 30 years and earning over a billion dollars. How did you get started? And now you're making me feel old, um, but I don't really feel old. So I started when I was 16. And I started my company uh, when I was very young. I left home at a very young age, uh, probably around 16, 15-ish, and kind of went out there into the world seeking my fame and fortune. And as that story often goes, it did not start well. Um, I started off, you know, couch surfing, you know, sleeping on the beach in the back of the old beat up old Lincoln Continental. Um, you know, taping pages of um, business books to the seat of the car, to the back of the car, and then reading it with a flashlight at night over and over and over again until I came up with uh, what was going to be my mastermind, my master plan idea, which ended up becoming Herbal Ecstasy, which was, um, you know, was a supplement that uh, really shook the entire, you know, the entire supplement industry at that time. Nobody had done anything like that before. So it was an exciting time. Absolutely. So how did you go from back of a car to a groundbreaking supplement company? That's a really good question. So that, that gets into a little bit of a, a longer story, but um, I was being mentored by uh, someone who, you know, I, I talk about this in my book, who uh, became a, a real guide and sort of like a, a North Star to me at that time. And at that time, the electronic mu music scene, you know, the rave scene had just really taken off. The um, and and I had gotten involved in the electronic music scene. I'd been going to these raves. I was never much of a partier. I didn't really have any money, but I realized that I could go into these clubs late at night. Sometimes I would just crash behind the speakers for two, three hours. You know, it was this very drone, repetitive music, and you know, I I could make some friends, meet some people. It was it was 
a decent place for me to be. It was a very safe place for me. So I started doing that. And as I started learning about the business of it, I started throwing some, some of these actual rates. And what I learned was, was that the people who were throwing the raves weren't making money. The DJs who almost never got paid weren't making money. And there was just one group of people who was making money. Can you guess who that is, Seth? Is it the people selling drugs? <laughs> Very astute observation, Seth. So you are correct. So it was the people who were selling the drugs. Now I never did any of those kinds of drugs in those days. And I sat around just kind of watching the transactions, you know, and I even noticed sometimes that the people dealing the drugs would actually just give some money to the promoters just to keep the doors open so that they can continue doing what they were doing. So it was, you know, a funnel of sorts for them, you know, um, at sometime in the early to mid nineties, something happened. And that was that the supply of the most popular party drug ever of all time, designer drug ecstasy dried up. Ecstasy at first, which was legal and was a party drug in the eighties. And then in the nineties was made illegal. Um, probably not for very good reason, but it was. And what happened was the supply of it, which is it's a, it's a very complex drug for, for them to make dried up. So there was no more at the clubs and these you know, the drug dealers were basically freaking out. They were like, what are we going to do? There was all kinds of bad stuff floating around. There was, it was, it was not a positive scene. I thought to myself, what if there was a way where we could use natural ingredients, herbs, you know, plants, stuff, ingredients, and supplements and make something that people could have fun on, but wouldn't hurt them and wouldn't be illegal. And therein it was born. I was a teenage kid. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, the first batch we, we literally mixed up in a bathtub, uh, you know, in my, in my girlfriend's uh, house, you know, and I would like, you know, sneak in because the dad didn't know I was there and we would just mix it up. And then, you know, finally we moved on to, uh, I outsourced to a uh, little uh, herbalist, a Chinese man in Chinatown, LA's Chinatown. And he started putting it together until finally we got a formula that started working and it worked really well. And then I needed to have the distribution, which was the key to this whole thing. So I walked into one of these clubs that I would frequent one of these raves and noticed, you know, all the drug dealers there, their supply completely gone and them in a completely crap state of mind. And, you know, when you're young, and, you know, in your teens and you got nothing to lose, I think, you know, this, Seth, you're fearless. Yes. <laughs> right? You got nothing to lose. So I walked up to these guys and I said, guys, sell this. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they said, what the hell is it? And I went through explaining to them, hey, you know, it's an all natural high, you know, it's completely legal. Um, and they said, you know, well, why do we want to sell this? We've got real drugs. And I said, well, you don't actually have good real drugs anymore. And you know, you could go to jail. And so most of them said, no, one guy said yes. And he happened to be one of the biggest uh, dealers at the time. And he took the entire backpack. He came back with a water cash that everybody took it. Everybody tried it. It was the most amazing experience they ever had. How can I get more? And that became my first distributor there. And it grew, it expanded to 10 distributors, to 50 distributors, to 5,000 distributors. And within a very short clip of months, 
we were everywhere. We were being sold in Urban Outfitters and 7-Eleven. We were being sold at Tower Records. I don't know if you, do you remember Tower Records? I do, I am back old in enough. The days? Right. So Tower Records was selling our product. We were selling it at GNC. We were selling it at every place under the sun. Plus, we were doing a really swift business through the rave, the club scene. It was everywhere. You could not go anywhere where you wouldn't see it. And we were making millions of dollars a day. I spent most of my 18th birthday, you know, fast forward a couple of years, uh, basically traveling all over the world, doing interviews on TV, sort of defending the virtues of having a safe legal alternative out there. That is an absolute incredible story. I am sure the longer version is going in the book. Um, talk about, I mean, you have products on Amazon that have outpaced Fortune 500 companies sales. Talk a little bit about how that's changed in terms of going from selling bricks and mortar retail to now selling that and a whole lot more online. Yeah, great question. So that's actually a great lead in, Seth. Where that, where that takes us was one of the biggest lessons I learned. One of the fundamental pieces of value is that it's not about the product. It's about the distribution. And the most amazing thing that happened, I think, in the last 20 years is that a little guy, and I mean little by stature, but, but definitely not by capacity, Jeff Bezos, who came from the, uh, the world of venture capital, um, working for you know, one of the, the biggest financiers, had access to uh, cheap capital that he took to build this, this massive company, opened it up to third-party sellers. And I was long gone out of the, the ecstasy world. You know, I sold that. We created a billion dollars in revenue. It was a fast and, and, and crazy ride in those days. And, you know, I launched hundreds of companies. I worked for Big Pharma. I worked for all types of different industries. And then I remember one, one night, one evening, I had a, a brain supplement that we sell and thinking about how I'm going to sell this and remembering the lessons from the herbal ecstasy time, which is it's all about distribution going, how am I going to sell this? And Bezos opens up the platform to third-party sellers. And we were one of the first sellers of supplements on the Amazon platform. And we put this supplement on there. It was a very high-end brain supplements so, of, you know, it was like 120 bucks at the time. And I just listed it on there. I was like, yeah, you know what? We've done eBay. Let's put it on this thing. The next morning we woke up to over a thousand orders at $120 a piece going, oh my God, mind blown. And then Bezos goes one further. He's like, we've brought in the head of Walmart, which is what he did. The head of Walmart's uh, fulfillment and, and packing and distribution, which was the piece that uh, Amazon had not figured out yet how to handle the fulfillment to, and given him a blank check to set up these fulfillment centers. And that's how FBA was born, where Amazon will now take that part out of the equation for us sellers and pick, pack, ship at a ridiculous discount your goods for you. So the ability for us to sell on the world's largest platform, Amazon, mixed with the, uh, the, the necessity for Amazon to pack and ship it and, and no longer the, necessi the, blah, blah, the necessity for us 
to ship on, on Amazon led to this huge windfall of profit and the ability for us as a seller to focus on what we do best, creating awesome products and selling it on the platform and not having to worry about pick, pack and ship, all the stuff that comes with customer service, they're handling all of it. And especially in the early days, now when I teach my course and for my students, it's a little bit more complex, which is why people do need a mastermind now in order for this to happen. But before it was really easy. Amazon was giving free eyeballs. They were spending millions and millions of dollars on Google ads and driving traffic to these products. So we launched supplements, we launched teas, which to this day, we have the best selling uh, brand of green tea on Amazon. We launched furniture, home goods, anything that you could imagine. And then what happened was that other companies started coming to us because Amazon became the great equalizer. And I, I don't mean this by them being an equalizer as giving the consumer any advantage, which, which they do. It's a, it, it's a great consumer experience. I'm sure you know. I, I, I would imagine you buy things from Amazon, yeah? Every single day. We all do, right? It's that happy time when those packages end up at our doors. But it became the great equalizer from the standpoint of a allowing a small seller like me or you to be able to compete with these massive Goliath publicly held companies. It no longer mattered that you were the dominant brand because Amazon enables you to be able to, as a seller, as somebody who's starting a business, you could, you could have absolutely no experience in selling online. You could have uh, a product that's okay, but not great. And if you know how to speak the language of the consumer, tell the story the way the consumer who buys on Amazon buys to show them the product, the way they search, you can beat out these big brands. And we've done it repeatedly. We've done it with soap. We've done it with home goods, kitchen goods, cleaning supplies, you name it. And so Amazon becomes this great equalizer and it is super exciting. So now I take all those lessons that I learned from the supplement business, from the herbal ecstasy business. And now we empower people to start their Amazon businesses and basically do what I did back in the day, but with a lot less friction. Oh, absolutely incredible journey. I'm sure, yeah, to, what inspired you to start? I know you got reached out to by other companies and other sellers. Why did you decide to share some of your secret sauce and, and, and help other people? Back in the 90s, I created over a billion dollars in revenue. It's well-documented. If, if any of your listeners want to search me, you guys can. This isn't like, I, I, I know now, like I, I'm sure you hear too, a lot of these, like, you know, there's a lot of internet gurus and people, everyone's a millionaire. Everyone drives a Lambo. Everyone's in a private jet, right? <laughs> but if you dig a little deeper, you'll see that the jet was a 20-minute uh, Instagram rental for 500 bucks. The Lambos were rented off Turo and the big house was a 15 minute video rental. So it, it, in my past, I think one of the things that sets me apart is that I actually lived that lifestyle. I actually had the jets and the yachts and all that stuff. So back in the day, you know, and I lost it many times over and rebuilt it many times over. And the latest iteration is this on, on Amazon, but in order to get to that level, 
people need guidance. They need mentorship, which is where I come in. I have enough money now. I have enough resources, right? I'm not chasing that kind of success. What empowers me is empowering other entrepreneurs. What I love to see, I have people who are part of my mastermind, who are part of my mastery course, who are, are 16 years old, 16 year old kids that are starting these Amazon businesses and absolutely crushing it. If you saw what they were doing, you would not believe that these kids are 16 years old. I've got people that are retired 65 year old guys who couldn't get a job who are now selling on Amazon. And you know, Seth, before what made me feel really great, and it, it still does today, is walking into a brick and mortar store and seeing somebody picking up a product that I've produced from nothing, that I've ideated, created, produced, using it and enjoying it was like the best feeling in the world. And I've done that millions of times over. I've sold millions of products like that. But now as I'm in my 40s, you know, I'm 46 now, uh, family guy, I've got a kid, a wife, that whole thing, you know, my lifestyle is mostly uh, travel oriented or was, you know, pre-COVID. It really comes down to, for me, A, to, to sharing my story, but why is because I enjoy empowering other people to succeed. And the path to that now, the, the quickest path, I believe, is diversification with four pillars and the main pillar being having some kind of online e-commerce predictable recurring revenue stream. And that's what Amazon offers, which is why I'm so excited about that. We've got three other pillars. You know, we've got real estate, which I talk to people about uh, growing cash flow, real estate, having some money in the markets and having some money in, in a different leg, which we, you know, talk about in my, in my course and to my students. But, but ultimately you got to have those foundations. And when you have those foundations, creating those recurring revenue streams where it's predictable and a lot of times it's not sexy, something that you can count on over and over and over again, then you can build and, and sky's the limit. And that's what I like to see. I like to see people doing that. That is fantastic. I find a lot of times we learn more from other people's adversity than we do from just trying to emulate their success. So save our listeners some time and money because you've been on the roller coaster ups and downs of a billion dollars and more in transactions. What are some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome and what'd you learn from them? There's a lot of challenges when you're 16 years old and starting a company. So when I, when I first started my company, I think the, the biggest lesson that I had, again, was that you got to focus. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>